It's me. It's you. It's us. It's us. <laughs> we are alternative interests. Yes, we are. And you are the listeners. I'm so glad we know who everyone is now. Now that we've all been formally introduced. Yep. We can just continue on. So, okay. Uh, this is part two of the Stacy Peterson case. And last week we went over kind of her husband, Drew's very colorful history bouncing from woman to woman. Um, and I don't, I think every single one of them had overlap with the other. Which is very honorable on his part. You said that like very seriously. <laughs> Obviously I'm being sarcastic, but I'm just saying, what a great catch, you know? Oh, geez. <laughs> sure. <laughs> he thought so anyway. I know. They did. Um, and we talked about Stacy and her family and their very, yeah. very sad history. Oh, yeah. That was awful. Especially, yeah, her mom. Yeah. Her mom, uh, her sister going into foster care and then passing away from cancer. Yeah. Um, her brother, and I don't think I mentioned this in the last episode, but it becomes relevant now. So I can say it now. Her brother Yelton, unfortunately, uh, began to lead a life of crime. He was arrested for several crimes such as theft, uh, battery, sexual assault. He was not doing very well. Yeah, that's awful. That whole family, it's like cursed, basically. Yeah. So uh, leading up to October 28th, 2007. So October 27th is where we left off in part one. And, you know, Stacy was not happy with her marriage. She was looking to get a divorce. She was telling everyone she was looking to get a divorce. And it was getting to the point that her sister, Cassandra, was becoming very concerned for her. So in those uh, the days in that weekend, the Friday and the Saturday, Cassandra had spent quite a bit of time with Stacy. And that brings us to Sunday, October 28th, 2007. Okay. So that morning... Drew actually worked the overnight shift and he got off work at 4 a.m. and he went home. He says that he got in bed with Stacy, his wife, uh, when he got home and sometime around 9 a.m. Mm -hmm. uh, he ended up waking up briefly. Her alarm probably went off and she woke up. So they woke up, had a bit of a conversation and he went back to sleep. Okay. Understandably, he worked all night. So Stacy's family was actually renting a house about 45 minutes away. And here, actually, I have to make a correction because it's not pronounced uh, Bolingbrook. It's pronounced Bolingbrook. Oh, okay. Yes. Um, so they had a home in Bolingbrook. And Stacy's family was renting a house in Yorkville, which was about 45 minutes away. And Yelton was living there. Her brother. Yes. Okay. Unfortunately, Yelton had violated his parole and he was packing up and going back to prison. So the family had to get the house ready to uh, break the lease, essentially. Okay. So when Yelton had moved in, they had painted the walls of the house all these tons of really vibrant colors. And I think 
several of us have been in this situation. I've been in this situation where if I painted the walls in my apartment, I had a deal with the property managers that I would paint it back to white before I moved out. Oh, so they is that common? Uh, yeah, actually. Um, that I thought you never were supposed to paint any walls if you didn't own wherever you were living, I guess. If you get explicit permission, you can. Oh. And a lot of property managers are willing to give you permission as long as you pay for painting it back to white before you leave. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And in my case, they actually told me I only had to put a coat of primer down. Oh. Yeah. So um, oh, well. it was something that we had worked out. And in their case, they actually worked out something similar. Okay. The owners of the house said, okay, uh, we're okay with you guys breaking the lease. We understand the situation here. But we want you to paint the house uh, so the walls are white again. And then mm-hmm. we're fine. Mm-hmm. So Sunday morning... Stacy and Cassandra and Cassandra's friend Bruce. And I don't know if Cassandra and Bruce were dating. I've seen mixed reviews that he was her friend or he was her boyfriend, but they were close enough. Okay. So all, right. all of them were supposed to meet out at this house to work on painting it together that day. The night before, Cassandra had basically said, Hey, call me in the morning when you wake up. We'll find a time to go out there together. Stacy was like, Yep, call you tomorrow. Stacy had woken up before Cassandra did, and she ended up texting with Bruce at about 10 a.m. And at about 10.15, she actually had a phone call with Bruce. And during that phone call, uh, Stacy told Bruce, yes, I'm planning on going out to the house to paint. I'm taking the kids with me. So me and the kids will be out there. And Bruce was supposed to pass this message to Cassandra. And then once everyone was awake, they would all kind of touch base and go out there together. Okay. Cassandra, like I just said, was supposed to help and she was supposed to go out to the house. Um, I'm not really sure what happened, but Cassandra decided without telling anyone that she wasn't going to go and she wanted to spend Sunday with her mother instead. Okay. Cassandra, so I don't think there was any set time here. And I am going to say personally that stuff like this annoys the hell out of me. If we have plans, you better give me a time. And we bet like, I don't do this. Tell me when you're ready. Shit. I hate that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I need a time too. Yeah. So these three people did not give each other times. And Cassandra didn't tell Bruce she wasn't going to be at the house. And Stacy didn't end up touching base with Bruce again. So given what I just said, that I don't like this whole uncertainty thing, I am imagining Bruce sitting there because it's 4 p.m. It's been six hours since he called Stacy. Why hasn't she called yet? I'm getting irritated. I just wasted my whole day. Exactly. Waiting around. So he sends her a text and just says, let's paint tomorrow. Okay. And that's it. All right. So, Which I would too. I wouldn't even say let's. I would be like. I'd be like, I, I have a life to attend to. Yeah. Um, I'd be like, good luck painting not- by yourself later. Right. Yeah. I, maybe this was the norm for them. I don't know. The norm for me is tell me when we're doing shit. Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Um, so around 7 p.m., 
Cassandra calls Bruce and says, hey, I haven't been able to get a hold of Stacy all day. I haven't heard her from her all day. And Bruce says, you know, we talked on the phone at about 1015. And, you know, come to think of it, she didn't respond to my text at 4 p.m. So Cassandra, getting a little worried, she calls the house because she's like, I just want to know what's up with Stacy. Yeah. Chris, who was Drew's 14-year-old son. This was his son, from one of his sons from his marriage to Kathleen, his third uh-huh. wife. Uh, Chris answers the phone and Cassandra asks for Stacy. And Chris just kind of like mumbles something and hands the phone to Drew. Okay. Drew tells Cassandra that you know, Stacy left really early this morning to go visit her grandpa. I woke up at 11 and she was gone. Okay. Yeah, so Cassandra is confused. I mean, she's got the same look on her face that you do, I'm imagining. She's like, we didn't have plans to go see Grandpa. So yeah. Grandpa is at a an assisted living facility. Like and, near where they live, obviously. Uh, yeah, somewhere nearby, yeah. but it was a care facility. It was not a house. It was like a, a nursing home, I think. Okay. So she tries to call Grandpa to see, like, hey, what's up with Stacy? For some reason, she couldn't get through. I don't know if they, like, changed a phone number or what. But she calls her uncle, who is able to get a hold of the grandpa. And they kind of close the loop. And the uncle says, Stacy didn't go to grandpa's house today. And grandpa says that Stacy didn't have plans to go out there today. So oh, we don't know what's going on. At 2 p.m., so this whole exchange happened around 1.30 p.m., so somewhere around there. At 2 p.m., after Drew had told Cassandra that Stacy had gone to her grandpa's house, uh-huh. Drew calls work, and he says, hey, my wife is missing, and I, I can't work tonight because I need to watch our kids. Okay. He did not tell Cassandra that she was missing. Cassandra had not checked back in with Drew to say, hey, Stacy's not at Grandpa's house. Yeah. And so how all of a sudden he's now saying that he's taking care of the kids because she's wife missing. Is missing. Yeah. Yeah. Weird. The, don't you think that you would have led with that when you talked to Cassandra earlier? Right. Yeah, that's weird. So at about 7 p.m., don't really know what happened for most of the day here, but we do know at 7 p.m., Drew went to go pick up his stepbrother, Thomas. Okay. And the two of them ended up going to a coffee shop together. So surveillance photos from, or surveillance footage from a Krispy Kreme shows two men walk in and they sit down at a table at 737. They didn't buy anything. They just walked in and sat down like a couple of weirdos. Yeah. At one point, Drew gets up and leaves, and he leaves his cell phone with Thomas, and he says, do not answer this phone if it rings. And then he leaves. He says, hey, I got to go run some errands. Here's my phone. Do not answer it if it rings. And he just leaves Thomas at Krispy Kreme. That's weird. Still haven't bought anything. So Thomas hangs out there alone, and the phone did ring. It rang twice. And both times the caller ID said Stacy. 
Shortly after these phones came through, Thomas did good. He did not answer the phone. He just looked at it and, oh, it's ringing. It's Stacy. Uh huh. Drew comes back at 9.21 p.m. and they leave. Okay. Where do they go? Uh, Drew took Thomas back home, I believe. Okay. So later, uh, Drew would tell police that Stacy had called him at 9 p.m. and told him she was leaving him for someone else and that he could find her car at the airport. (laughs) And this is really convenient seeing that that 9 p.m. phone call is when Thomas had the phone sitting right in front of him and Drew was nowhere to be seen. Exactly. And now all of a sudden, yeah. Uh Uh-huh. Interesting. So if things weren't falling apart for you already, they're falling apart for me because what is your first thought with this whole little timeline here? What do you think Drew's going to do? I think he's trying to obviously do what every husband tries to do when they kill their wife is put it on the wife and like create an alibi for himself. And I think he was setting up cell phone pings. Oh, I think yeah. that he had Stacy's phone and he drove somewhere else and probably near the own, airport called his own phone with it uh-huh. because then the two phones wouldn't be pinging near each other when the That's call true. came through. And since he is, he worked in law enforcement or is still working in law enforcement, right? That that's something he they would, do. yeah, that they, that they look at. Because obviously he also knows, too, the first person they are going to look at is him. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The story continues to fall apart for me from here. Uh Uh-huh. Because remember how Drew said he woke up at 11 a.m. and Stacy was gone? Yeah. Well, the neighbors thought something was a little fishy about Drew, and they put together their own timeline. And the neighbors collectively together determined that... From 11 a.m. to 1.30 p.m., uh-huh. both of their cars were in the driveway. Interesting. How did so Stacy they... leave without a car? I wonder how the neighbors, like, decided to come together to talk about this. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, afterwards. I think because Stacy had gone. Yeah. And they and knew they... she had problems with him. And Yeah. And that's what I was going to say. They probably already felt a little weird about him in the first place. Yeah. 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 Um, so now we're going to further on in the night. And at 11 p.m., Cassandra has still not heard from Stacy. She is still worried. And so she decides, like, you know what? I'm going to make up an excuse to go to the house. I'm going to the house. She actually had a really good excuse. She had some fundraiser money for something that Chris was doing for school. So she's like, perfect opportunity. I'm going to bring the money to the house. Good reason for me to be there. Yeah. When she drives up to the house at 11 p.m., there are no cars in the driveway. At all? No cars. So she knocks on the door and Chris answers. And Chris says that him and the other kids were home alone and that Drew was not there. Okay. And Cassandra is like, well, where's your dad? So Chris says, uh... Mom and dad had a fight this morning. Mom left and dad's out looking for her. Okay. This whole, like, this day is weird. Yeah, that is so weird. Yeah. 
So Cassandra and Chris kind of talk in the doorway for a little bit. And Cassandra, I think she comes to the conclusion that like, you know, Chris doesn't really have any answers for me. So she goes back to her car and at 1114, she calls Drew. And she's like, hey, have you heard from Stacy? What is going on? And Drew says, you know, your sister called me at 9 p.m. She said she was leaving and she left her car somewhere and I have to go find it. I love how he's he's gaslighting his now dead wife by yeah. like, by like, <laughs> so to other people. He's just going on and on about your sister, this and yours. And yeah. Cassandra is like, OK, uh, where are you? And Drew is like, well, I'm home. And Cassandra is like, he's definitely not at home. (laughs) (laughs) Like she said in the background, she could hear rustling and she very clearly (laughs) heard like the jingle of keys, like the sound they make when you put them in the ignition. She was like, I heard that when he was like, oh, I'm home. (laughs) That's just like when you're younger and you call your parents to say, no, yeah, I'm I'm spending the night at Jenny's house. And there's like a loud party going on Mm -hmm. in the background. I'm at the library (laughs) yeah so Drew keeps going and he's like she she took $25,000 and she got in a flight to Jamaica and she's just she's leaving her family and I think here's where he made a really big mistake is that he compared Stacy leaving to Stacy's mother he said Stacy's leaving her family just like her mother left you guys Oh my gosh. And he's kind of laying it on thick to be a little too convincing. Like, chill out. And Cassandra did not like him bad mouthing her sister and definitely did not like him bad mouthing her. Yeah, no. So basically, she hangs up on him because she's like, he just won't shut up. So she she hangs up the phone. And she goes to a neighboring police department because obviously. She went missing from Bolingbroke. He works for Bolingbroke. So she uh-huh. goes to the next jurisdiction over and she kind of explains to them. And this was Downers Grove. And she kind of explains, here's the situation. And they said, you need to file a missing report over in Bolingbroke. And Cassandra does the thing that and I, I am so pleased with Downers Grove because Cassandra goes, well, doesn't she have to be missing for 24 hours? And they tell her no. They're like, no, you can file one right now. So she does. She drives to the Bolingbroke Police Department. She files a missing report. And she's giving them all the information. And they ask, like, hey, what car is she driving? And Cassandra, very honest, says, you know, I don't know. Because when I was at the house, both of the cars were missing. So they were like, okay, what you can do for us, will you please drive by their house? And just kind of see what car is in the driveway now. And we can assume she's in the other one, right? Yeah. At 2.30 a.m., Cassandra drives by and both cars are in the driveway. Suddenly, just both. Yeah. So over the phone, Drew is now talking to Bruce, Cassandra's friend. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, Uh, Stacy left her car at the airport. I had to go pick it up. Everything's back now. And so... Cassandra, I think she is so smart here because she she already cued in on the fact that there was probably going to be a conflict of interest here with the Bowling Book Police Department. Mm-hmm. So she takes it upon herself 
to go immediately to the state police and file a missing report there, too. Oh, okay. To double cover, right? Yeah. Yeah. Good for her. And so what happens is the next day, the state police actually contacted the Bolingbrook Police Department. And they're like, hey, we're willing to be involved in this right away because of the situation here. Yeah. And the conflict of interest. Yeah. And I yeah. guess initially the Bolingbrook Police Department uh, were like, no, we can handle it. But then like really quickly, they were like, "Uh, actually, please help us. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I'm glad their ball wasn't dropped there. Yes. Do you know what I'm saying? How oftentimes they're like, no, we don't need your help. And they're like, okay. Yeah. No, I think everything was done right here. They, they encouraged her to file a police report the second she knew something was wrong, not making her wait. Yeah. And they, I think everything here on the police department side, uh, not with Drew, but everybody else seems to be going really well. Yeah. Good. So Monday, October 29th, literally the next day, they went and they conducted a um, consensual search of Drew Peterson's home. And he he let them in. He was like, I have nothing to hide. Come in. Come look. Oh, but hey, you can look at one of the cars, but you're not allowed to look at the other one. Yeah, that's weird. Which happened. So his car was a Denali and her car was a Grand Prix. They were not allowed to look at the Grand Prix. Why? He wouldn't let them. <laughs> which which is like super not shady, right? Like, hey, you can look everywhere except for this one thing. Especially when he's putting in so much work to kind of cover this whole thing up. Like, you're going to really oh, let... Yeah. Like, that's... yeah, Okay. Yeah. Idiot. Also on Monday, one of Stacy's friends asked Drew for a photo that they could use for some missing posters. And Drew claimed he had no photos of Stacy. Excuse me? Right? That's that's impossible. Yeah. Weird. And again, another example of everything going the way it should. Search efforts began basically immediately. Uh, they had search dogs. They had human search crews. They had dive teams. They have aircraft with heat-seeking technology. I mean, they got going on this. and. By October 30th, this is just two days after Stacy went missing, there was an official inquiry opened into Kathleen's death. What wife was that? Wife number, number three, the one that died in the bathtub. Why was that suddenly opened up after this? Well, remember how she, it was ruled an accident, but... Everyone kind of wondered. And remember Stacy was kind of telling people that she knew Drew had killed Kathleen. Uh-huh. Now Stacy's missing and things are looking weird. So uh we should probably look at Kathleen's death again, right? You know who Mr. Peterson would have uh, made a good connection with is uh remember one of my last episodes with um the lady <laughs> I forgot the her lady. name. Remember? She buried both of her husbands next to each other. Oh, cyanide. yes. Yes. Or not cyanide. I'm sorry. Uh, antifreeze. Yes. Could you imagine if those two met on a blind date? Like, who, you who know, would kill I've his thought faster? about that a few times. Like, what if a black widow and, like, the male equivalent? I don't yeah. know if men have, like, ended up I'm gonna matching look it up. with each other on, like, eHarmony or something. Yeah. 
And it's that like, would be hilarious. And then it was just it's it's like a Mr. and Mrs. Smith where they're both yeah, trying to kill exactly, each other. Exactly, where they're trying to kill each other. Huh. I think that would that's like the next hit HBO series right there. Yeah, seriously. And then a comedy of errors ensues, mm-hmm. like of them. Yeah. So November second, two thousand seven. Mm-hmm. Drew did an interview with Fox News. This is four, five days after Stacy has gone missing. He does an interview okay. with Fox News. Okay. And he tells them that Stacy took that $25,000, her passport, and a bikini. <laughs> That's what I leave with whenever I'm going out. When I'm it's leaving just... my family, I'm taking a passport I'm like, and a bikini. You know what? I just need a passport, a bikini, and a modest cover-up, and I'm out of here. Yeah. (laughs) So one of the things about this case is that Drew fucking loves the media. He does so goddamn many interviews. He sounds like he would. Uh, He spun this narrative of Stacey as this abusive woman with an explosive temper, saying she was cheating on him, by the way. and What? Um, he also said, and this is really sad, and I, I completely believe that this was true, that when her older sister passed away from cancer, that that had changed her. Uh-huh. I completely believe that that is probably true. She lost another family member. Um, and he said that as a result, she was seeing a psychiatrist. And this is where I stopped believing him um, uh-huh. because he starts painting her as someone who was on medication and unreliable. I don't want to go super far into his interviews because honestly, if you want to see them, you can go watch them yourself. Mm -hmm. I want to play this clip for you. And this clip will tell you everything you need to know about Drew's interviews. Okay. When she was either menstruating, hungry, or tired, she was agitated. And she would ask me for a divorce or talk about divorce on a monthly basis. And then when the cycle passed... She was okay. We were loving and happy. Oh, that makes me so mad. Oh, yeah. He he said that exact same thing. He said it on Dr. Phil. And he said it on a... That clip I just played was from an interview he did with ABC News. What an asshole. So that tells you what he was talking about in these interviews. And that's why I don't want to give any attention to them. Yeah, no, I wouldn't either. So to add on to the shady behavior that he's been doing, he starts writing really large checks to um, his adult son, Steve, which I believe was with his first wife. Uh He writes a $200,000 check to him just in case something happens to him. Why? I think that he's trying to. He's just moving around money. Yeah. Yeah. He's just trying to save his money. That's so dumb. So fucking weird. So November 13th, forensic pathologist Dr. Larry Bloom performed an autopsy on Kathleen. So they exhumed her body and he performed a new autopsy on it. On November 16th, another forensic pathologist, Dr. Michael Bodden, who, by the way, is an extremely famous Uh, forensic pathologist he does in really big cases i can't even think of any right off the top of my head let me google this right now but michael bodden is a big deal okay he testified in the oj simpson trial 
He was involved in the investigation of the John F. Kennedy assassination. Michael Bodden is a big deal. Oh, wow. So Michael Bodden and Larry Bloom both concluded that Kathleen's manner of death was homicide. Well, obviously. Yeah. Uh, There were bruises and scrapes on her body that were consistent with defensive wounds and uh, there was just damage to her body that was not, oops, I slipped in the tub. I know I said I didn't want to give any attention to the interviews. But on December 17th, Drew did an interview for the National Enquirer. And he made two statements to them that I just, he's so disgusting and slimy. Um, He said that he left Stacy a voicemail the evening of the 28th before she he knew that he was leaving her. She was leaving him. Mm-hmm. And he said, I don't want to disturb you if you're on a date. God, this guy. He also outright told the National Enquirer because they said, well, do you do you think she was cheating on you? And he said, oh, I think she's dating four or five different guys. Oh, yeah. Four or five. Yeah. Yeah, because how many wives did you have? Mm-hmm. That you were all yeah. dating at the same time? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So dude. fast forward to 2008. Uh, Illinois adopted a new law called Drew's Law, named after Drew Ooh. Peterson. Okay. This dude loves the spotlight. So, like, how flattering is it that you have a law named after you, right? Like, I, there's a law. Let's look it up. Drew's Law. Drew's Law relates to hearsay testimony. Okay. So we all know that hearsay testimony is one of those big no-nos in court, right? Mm-hmm. Well, under this new law, so let me read this. Um, so Drew's law made hearsay evidence admissible in court if the prosecutor believes the victim was killed to prevent his or her testimony. Okay. So basically, um, I didn't know this. So... We all know that hearsay is usually ruled as unconstitutional because it violates uh, the Sixth Amendment to confront the witness, right? Yeah, yeah. I did not know that this ruling was made in 2004. Oh, I didn't know that either. That's so recent. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah. Well, now, if the prosecutor thinks that the source of the the testimony was killed so that they wouldn't testify, Mm -hmm. their statements are admissible. So basically what this means is that all of Kathleen's family can testify saying, yep, Kathleen told me that she feared for her life. And it's allowed. Really? Yep. Oh, wow. So now in 2009, a grand jury was called to review testimony from a ton of witnesses regarding Drew's involvement in Kathleen's death. Drew's stepbrother, Tom, remember, he was the one who was out at the coffee shop with Drew. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Was not called as a witness. Why? Weird, right? Yeah, that is weird. He was with Drew when this whole weird phone call thing happened. You would think they'd have some information? Yeah, you would think. Totally. Well, he had more information than what I told you before. Oh. And Tom was upset that he had not been called to testify Okay. So Tom went on Good Morning America to tell a story. Of course he did. Um, I'm glad he did. Yeah. So 
basically that Saturday, the day before Stacy went missing, you know, Cassandra was around the house hanging out with Stacy. Drew was out with Tom. And apparently Drew picked up Tom and they were talking and Drew says, how much do you love me? And Tom's like, well, I, I do love you. <laughs> and Drew says, enough to kill for me? What? And Tom's like, uh, no, I could never live with myself. Yeah. So Drew says, oh, all right. Could you live with knowing about it? And Tom was like, yeah. So listen to this. Tom says, well, yeah, I could live with that because, you know, we all figured you killed Kathleen, right? He just comes out and says that? To Drew, yeah. And what did Drew say? So Drew basically ignores the statement. And he basically says, you know... I'm pretty sure Stacy's cheating on me. I caught her at a restaurant with another man recently. And they end up driving to like a storage unit. Mm-hmm. And Drew is like, hey, if I give you $2,000, will you go open a storage unit in your name? And weird, right? Yeah. So Tom and I, I think that he was using this as an excuse to buy himself some time. But Tom goes, oh, man, I don't have my ID on me. I can't open a storage unit. So. Come on. So he starts asking Drew, like, well, you know, bodies smell. Like, what are you going to do about the smell, man? Yeah. Yeah. And Drew is like, oh, I have a plan. I have a sealed container that I can put the body in. Not a problem. What kind of sealed container? Oh, probably like one of those barrels. Um. Remember, Cassandra noticed a large blue container at the house on Saturday. Oh, that's right. So this entire time, Tom is under the impression that Drew is talking about this, like, so-called other man. He thinks that Drew is possessive and he's going to kill this other man. He he outright says, I never thought he would hurt Stacy. So well, he probably didn't. So Saturday night. Tom ends up going back home and he mulls it over and he calls Drew and he says, you know, I, I can't be a part of this. I'm really sorry. And Drew is like, you know, I can accept that. Okay. I don't believe Drew can accept that. No. I, yeah. He's just like saying it. Yeah. Uh, so the next day, Sunday is the day that Stacy went missing at some point during the day. That evening is when the weird non-existent cup of coffee happened. And... Tom on Good Morning America says exactly what I said before, that he believes Drew was setting up cell phone pings. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, absolutely. So after they left Krispy Kreme, uh, Drew says, and this is why I don't think Drew could accept Tom didn't want any involvement. Drew goes, hey, um, you mind if we stop by my house before I drop you off at home? I just need your help with something. And Tom is like, no, I would rather just go home. And Drew just goes to his house anyway. He's like, yeah, just come on upstairs. I just need your help with this. So they go upstairs to the master bedroom where there is a large blue container that he helps Drew carry down the stairs and load in the back of his Denali. Okay. And then Drew drives Tom home. And Tom says that in the back of his head, that entire car ride, he looked straight out the front. He did not look anywhere in the car. He was he was like, I, I am helping dispose of a body right now. Oh, wow. And Tom was so upset by this 
that the next day he attempted suicide. He he attempted to overdose on pills. His wife was able to get him to a hospital on time. Oh, no. Thank goodness. Yeah. But his Tom's other brother, like his biological full brother, like mm-hmm. Drew's his stepbrother. Uh, Tom's actual brother comes to the hospital and Tom tells him everything. And this brother ends up going to the police and saying, hey. My brother just told me this wild story. And then the police go and visit Tom in the hospital. They get all the information. And they basically offer Tom immunity. They're saying, we will give you full immunity for any involvement you did or did not have knowing or unknowingly. And then they put him in protection for like six months. Good. It sounds honestly like they put him in WITSEC, but I can't. I don't really know because honestly, they wouldn't come out and say that anyway. I'm glad to know that the it sounds like the cops did all the right took all the right steps because in so many of these cases we cover sometimes it's like, like what the, the ball fuck is are dropped. you doing? Yeah, no, yeah. I I think they're actually paying attention here and they're working Good. hard to do right by Stacy. Good and by Kathleen. Because in May 2009, a grand jury handed down an indictment for first degree murder for Kathleen. Good for them. So Drew's arrested and his trial began in July of 2012. Okay. Uh, The state provided evidence from those two autopsies from November when Kathleen's body was exhumed. Mm -hmm. Um, There were numerous bruises and abrasions on her body. There was a large laceration to her scalp that was consistent with a physical struggle and not just slipping in the tub, like I said. Yeah, yeah. So due to Drew's law... Kathleen and Stacy's family were allowed to come and give testimony about them being afraid of him um, and about them leaving or divorcing him. And it was completely admissible because of this law. Good. So there was specific testimony from one of Kathleen's family or friends that Kathleen had told people that Drew had literally threatened to kill her and make her look like an accident. Oh, really? Yep. Uh, There was also evidence that even after Kathleen was given sole ownership of their their children and the home. So this is going back to part one. Okay. At the beginning of the divorce, remember Kathleen was given their home uh, and the uh, primary custody of the children. After Drew left, she changed the locks like a smart person. Drew... There was evidence that Drew was still getting into the house when Kathleen wasn't there. Really? And there was actually one time where uh, someone said that Drew literally trashed the house. What's the purpose of that? He's a control freak who's not getting his way. Yeah, that's true. Um, Another witness testified that about four months before Kathleen's death... Drew had offered them $25,000 to, quote unquote, take care of his third wife. What? I'm pretty sure this was his stepbrother. Oh, my goodness. This is while he was married to Stacy. He offered this person $25,000 to take care of his third wife. (sighs) What an idiot. Uh, Stacy had also, remember, witnessed Drew taking that women's clothing and putting it in the washing machine. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, apparently after Kathleen's body was found, 
Drew coached Stacy on what to say to the police when they brought her in for an interview. Oh, wow. And I just found this the other day. So remember, we commented on this that when Stacy's, not Stacy, when Kathleen's body was found, a bunch of neighbors were involved in going into the house, remember? I think so, yeah. Um, Drew did not go in the house with them. The neighbors oh. went in ahead of him and he was outside. Really? Fucking weird, right? That is weird. And I believe it was on Dr. Phil that he told them, well, Kathleen would make any excuse to say that I went in there and I, I messed up her house. So I just stayed outside. <laughs> like, you think something's wrong with your your ex-wife and you're you're just going to hang out outside where the neighbors go inside. Okay. <laughs> sure dude yeah um so during the trial some details about the divorce proceedings ended up coming up and so going up back again to part one remember they had not had their final hearing to rule on all the financial aspects yet yeah that was supposed to happen in april unfortunately kathleen passed away just a couple weeks before yeah kathleen's divorce attorney testified in the trial and he said that Kathleen had a life insurance policy worth over $1 million. Wow. And due to her death and the way the settlement worked out, the proceeds from her life insurance were supposed to go to her two sons. Well, Drew was given full custody and that money was placed in a trust mm-hmm. to be managed by the boy's guardian. Oh, how convenient. Uh Uh-huh. Drew's stepbrother testified that October 27th, the day before Stacy disappeared, that Drew told him that Stacy was cheating on him and she wanted a divorce. And she said he had to get out by Wednesday. No one else knew this information. It was just weird. Of course. Yeah. He also, again, starting to spin this narrative that he was actually supposed to retire in two weeks. And he said, okay. Stacy's going to take the kids and he's, she's going to take half of my pension. And I'm never going to be able to stop working. I won't be able to retire. I'm going to have to get a job. And he was saying that she's going to ruin my life. Whatever, dude. So all of that information, the jury goes and they sit with it. And they say that he's guilty of murder. Good. he Because he is. Yes. And he was sentenced to 38 years. Only 38 years? Uh, granted, he was old. He was, oh, man, how old was he? I think he was 57, 58 at the time. Of course, he maintains his innocence. Of and, course. And uh, he, he actually appealed this uh, conviction a few times. It made it all the way to the Illinois Supreme Court in 2017. Oh, wow. He got far. Yeah. They upheld the conviction, and that's basically the end of the line for him, really. Good. Yeah. So he's still in jail. Yep. And the story's not done. Oh, my gosh. Because in 2016, we don't really give awards on this show, but if we were going to (laughs) give Dipshit of the Year. It'd be to him? Yes. Are you sure to him? Because, I don't know, the train bridge killer is a dipshit, too. Dipshit of 2016. Okay, there you go. I'll take that. Drew Peterson. Okay. Because guess what this dumbass did? 
What? He plotted to kill the prosecutor who got him convicted. What an idiot. How is he going to do that? Uh, He doing the classic inmate smack talk, uh, talking about how this guy convicted him using unethical practices. And he was saying that this prosecutor was manipulating the legal system to uh, obstruct his appeals. Oh, my gosh. So he was talking with one specific inmate. His name was Antonio Beast Smith. Ooh. And he sounds fun. In talking to Antonio, he just said that, you know, if if this guy died, my appeal would be guaranteed to succeed. He keeps talking about how, you know how when people, they want to do like an activity. I think a really good example is like your kids. Okay. Um, Your kids come to you at night. They're like, man, do you like ice cream? I like ice cream. But they won't ask for ice cream. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They'll just kind of be passive about it. Until you're like, would you like some ice cream? Well, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Drew did. He's like, man, if this guy died, that would be great. That'd be great. Be you know who cool I wish would die? Guy this guy. If he was taken out yet. Yeah. So yeah. Antonio Smith goes to the uh, the authorities and he says, hey, uh, Drew Peterson's looking to get this guy killed. And so prosecutors are like, you want to wear a wire? So Antonio says, yeah. Wire me up. Did he get a deal for anything though for I don't wearing think the wire? So I think he was. Almost I'm assuming out he anyway. would have. Okay. Um, that's so, odd because usually they they do that for something. Uh, some of them do, but some of them are just good people. Like I've heard. Well, that's of, good to know. I've heard of some inmates doing this kind of stuff just because they're trying to do right. Yeah. yeah. So Antonio gets wired up. And over the course of two weeks, and I counted seven recordings. Oh, wow. He recorded conversations with Drew where they talked about specifics over how this would happen. And Antonio convinced Drew that he was like, hey, I got my uncle. He agreed to do this for you. Uh, If you're on board, then my uncle will take care of this. And in one of their last recordings... Uh, here, I'll play it for you. It's a okay. little hard to hear, but it starts with Antonio is the first person you'll hear. It was, I told him, I told him what you said. Just the green light. Basically, go ahead and kill him. All right. That's what you wanted, right? <laughs> it ain't no, ain't no turning back. Okay. All right. All right. From the first time we talked about it, huh? The first time we talked about it, there was no turning back. All right. All right. If I get some booze in here, we'll celebrate that. <laughs> you know this shit's gonna be all over the news. Oh. <laughs> this is like the oh this yeah. This is about to be huge. Wow. Just that if we get booze in here, we'll celebrate that night. So cocky. He's so fucking stupid. Yeah, he is. So with these hours of recordings and Antonio Smith's testimony, in May 2016, a jury found him guilty of conspiracy to commit murder and solicitation of murder. Good. How much did that add to his sentence? 40 years 
Oh, wow. To be served consecutively. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good. So, so he's never getting, he's dying first before he gets out. Yeah. Uh, he's eligible for parole in 2081 and he'll be like a hmm. hundred and some years old. Yeah. I'm sure he'll be able to go out and meet people at that age. Uh, if he's not like a pile of dust. Sure. Uh, you know, meet a couple of more wives. Yeah. That'll be nice. Actually, I saw that while he was in prison, he had a Did fiance. Did he not? Really? I don't know if he got married again. I didn't really pay attention to her because I was trying to avoid. There was there's so much media coverage on this. Honestly, if you go on YouTube and you type in Drew Peterson interview, there's so many videos because not only were there these official like Good Morning America, he went on Good Morning America, he went on ABC. Uh, he went on Dr. Phil. There's all of those like sit down, nice interviews. But then mm-hmm. on top of that, before he was arrested, you know, the, the media was camping out in front of his house with cameras and stuff. He would walk outside and get right up in the camera's face, like with his own little handheld camcorder and just like yell at the cam. So there's a lot of footage out there if you're interested in seeing it. I've always been so interested in these women who write and like form relationships with prisoners, you know, especially yeah. ones that that like culminate in like a marriage or a proposal. Well, I don't you know? know because I didn't pay attention to this last woman very much. I don't know if they were together before he got arrested. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so weird. But as one final like fuck you to Drew because... I mean, he he got, what, 78 years? That's a pretty good fuck you. Um, very shortly after his conviction for the conspiracy to commit murder, mm-hmm. the Bolingbrook Police Department voted to revoke Drew's pension. Uh, his pension would have been 79000 a year. And but who the, would have that gone, gone to? To his Drew. His sons? No, oh, it would okay. have gone to Drew. How? Uh, it probably would have gone on his tab. That could have, I thought like when you were in prison, you couldn't, you couldn't make income, even if it was like. You can't make income if it's as a result of your uh, like conviction. Yeah. So a like. is something movie he's deals or... Oh, wow. Yeah. So they voted to revoke it. So Drew gets Good. Nothing. Good. Yep. Well, that makes me happy. Um, And still not done with the story. Unfortunately, oh this next part is actually really sad. Oh, no. In May of 2021, just six months ago, uh-huh. Cassandra is still looking for Stacy. Um, every time new technology comes out with sonar equipment or searching equipment, she gets on it and she uses it and she searches. Um, apparently, there's a man from Alaska who specializes in underwater searching and Stacy, Cassandra believes that Stacy has been dumped in this very specific body of water. So this guy from Alaska helps her basically pro bono to continue searching this area. In May of 2021, they found something that looked like a full female skeleton. Oh, wow. And they submitted a tip to the police. Mm -hmm. In October of 2021. Now this is several months later. It took them four months. The FBI and the Illinois State Police went to the Des Plaines River. Um, there's this canal there that that mm-hmm. is where Cassandra believes Stacy is. 
they have searched the like the police have searched this area several times um without finding anything but after receiving this tip they decide to go out again Mm -hmm. unfortunately they still found nothing oh that's so sad and cassandra is pissed I would be too. She says, I submitted this tip in May and it took you this long to respond to the tip. And now you're saying that you don't see anything. And the quote from her says, quote, it's definitely somebody. I can't say it's my sister, but why take so long to go and retrieve something? Yeah. I mean, I agree. And it's sad because she just wants her sister found. Well, this poor girl and just like her entire family. I know she's lost so many of her siblings. She lost her mother. Yeah. So and that was October 2021, just two months ago. Mm. Um, Well, I sure hope they find her soon. I do, too. Give some closure to the family. That's crazy that he won't even say. Yeah, it's. He's never going to. Well, because to. I he, know, because he's never going to admit it. But oh, he still maintains that, like, Stacy ran off. On on a last note, because I think that we need something a little bright. Because all of that was very sad. I mean, I'm glad that it is very Drew's sad. in prison until 2081 at the very least, um, where his ghost will still have to haunt the halls for a while. Uh, they're children. Okay. Oh, yes. Tell me about them. Uh, they are actually staying with Stephen, Drew's oh, adult Drew's... son. Oh, that's kind of nice. It is nice. And I think for a long time, Stephen defended his dad. But actually, I did see interviews in recent years that Stephen has even come out and said that, yeah, he believes that Drew killed his two wives. Well, yeah, when you look at everything, of course, yeah, it's he's going to think it's that. It's very sad. So It is sad. That well, was for Ginny. I hope she enjoyed it. Yes, hope you enjoyed it. I hope everyone else did too, but Ginny requested it. Yeah, um, so mainly just her. Yeah, there is so much more information on this. Uh, again, because Drew just really loved the spotlight. So if you mm-hmm. want to go and look at some more of the really deep down details, like, so I found this blog, it's called A Candy Rose. Mm-hmm. And it has like literal minute by minute timelines for basically mm-hmm. every second of the oh, investigation. Wow. It's where oh, I got, cool. yeah, it's where I got all the information about Stacy's family. Okay. Um, there's also... I believe it's called Find Stacy Peterson. And um, there are uh, uploaded documents on Scribd. Okay. Um, that, let me find. Justice Cafe uploaded literally hundreds of documents regarding oh, okay. Drew Peterson, Kathleen Savio, and Stacy Peterson. There is so much info. I mean, honestly. I could probably do like a full 30 part podcast with all the information that is oh, out wow. there on these blogs and things. Jeez. So definitely go look at all that. It is, it's a lot. I couldn't even look at all of the information. Um, if I wanted this to consume my life like Darley did, then I probably could, oh, but I'm not ready Darlie. for that. Yeah, no thanks. But, you know, there's, please go look. There's so much out there. I really hope Stacy's found. Yeah. So, yeah. 
Well, thank you. You are welcome. That was a ride. It was for sure. a ride. And I wish we had answers, but we really don't. I know. Sometimes that's frustrating. But Yeah. But, you know, at least he's in jail where he cannot um, harm any more women. At yeah. least uh, yeah. physically. He could probably harm them emotionally. And I bet he is. But Yeah. Yeah. Also, uh, when I post photos of him, he very much reminds me of like the uh, Josef Fritzl with like the. Uh huh. I've seen pictures of him before. Baggy eyes. Yeah. Just... Not the rogue eyebrows, probably. No, those. not the eye, but his uh. eyes specifically. Yeah. I just. It's real creepy. Yeah, I know. You're... Yeah, yeah. I I can see that. Yeah. So. All right. Yes, we will see everyone next week. Yay. It'll be my turn. Yes. Um, and you know what? We will actually, we will do a formal announcement post about the giveaway. Okay. Um, awesome. And just a really quick rundown for everyone. We decided that we are going to give away two gift cards to Amazon and Etsy. Um, they'll be $25 because 25,000 downloads. Yeah. And, I hope um, I win. Oh. <laughs> you're a winner because you get to spend every week with me okay oh that's right that's right <laughs> <laughs> and we'll make a post and i think um you know we've talked a little bit about episode 100's coming up and oh. uh suggestions for episode 100 will get you extra entries into this giveaway. yay but yeah. keep an eye out for the instagram post and uh we will see you next week see you next week bye bye Kat and I are so grateful for all of our listeners, and we love hearing from you guys. Connect with us on Instagram and Facebook at Alternative Interest Podcast, and let us know your thoughts on this week's case. We want to cover the things that you guys want to hear, so please email us your case suggestions at alternativeinterestpodcast at gmail.com. As always, thank you so much for listening and sharing us with your friends. Be good to each other, and we'll see you next week. long clear hair out of like the middle of my cheek what the hell is this out of the middle like of right here cheek. shut up the fuck is this okay you pulled it out of your cheek like right here it was like peach fuzz gone rogue oh my gosh so